is always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Green and Growing. So glad you're here for week number three of my Outdoor Expert series. It has been a lot of fun traveling around, talking to experts, and learning a ton of stuff, and then doing... My best job to relay it all to you via the show. And I will be back in the studio live with you next Saturday with Mickey Gasway. And then the Saturday following, we'll have Rafael Santiago and Jeff Roth from Premier Tree Solutions. But today, I want to play the highlights of some of my conversations and interviews with guests and want to go back to a show from earlier in the fall with two of my friends who live in Canton and enjoy doing cut flower gardens and all of the things that they do with the flowers they grow year-round is incredible. So listen in now on tips for growing your own cut flower garden and drying flowers and making special projects, maybe for the holidays. With me in studio and ready to talk to you, Tracy Gables from Retreat Lane Flowers and Julie Garrity from Hello Daisy Flower Farm. Good morning. Welcome back. Good morning. Oh my gosh, this is so fun. This is the second time this year. We are thrilled to be back. It's great. So Tracy, I'm going to start with you. Uh, (laughs) What's going on this time of year? What kind of things are you working on with flowers? Um, a lot of arrangements. We've been doing birthdays, corsages, and boutonnieres yeah, for homecoming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is that time. Yes. People yeah. are starting to get into the wreaths, fall wreaths, dried arrangements, starting a lot of seeds. Yeah. Yes. So if you're starting seeds now, are you doing it indoors or planting things in the ground? Indoors. And, okay. And outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A few things do better if you just direct seed them, but some we start now and then try to get them out in the garden before frost comes. You talked a little bit about little bit about this last week, I think, with vegetables, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the same with flowers. You start them now, you get them established, they get their roots in the ground, you know, whether you direct sow or you transfer them out in about four weeks, ideally, before you get your first frost. And they have a better chance in the spring, you'll get better blooms, stronger plant, cool flowers, See, I think intuitively that kind of goes against what you would think. Because here you are putting this young plant that's maybe only five or six weeks old in the ground, you know, hoping to get that before the first frost. No, it doesn't work for every flower. Right. It has to be winter hardy. So you want to check your your zone. But there's so many varieties. And we're talking seed trays and lights and the whole nine. I mean, this is an ordeal, just like when people do vegetables. Yep. 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 Just like that. So, all right. And corsages and wreaths, as Tracy mentioned. And Julie, I saw some of your pictures for friends of ours of dried fall wreaths. And oh my gosh, I just love the colors of this time of year, the color schemes, the materials you have to work with. How fun is that right now? It is so much fun. You get to really reap what you're sowing. You know, you you work so hard, you plant them and you can continue the fun. You dry them and it's like creative outlet. We hate to see our summer flowers fade. Yes. And then you just kind of toss them in the compost pile, pull them up and toss them into the woods. And that's so sad. But y'all are like, no, no, not so fast. We save everything. My absolute favorite to dry are dahlias because that's definitely my favorite flower. Um, and I like to do it with silica gel. Buy a giant bag on Amazon. You can reuse it. You like put it in the oven if it's been used too much to reconstitute it. But the flowers dry beautifully. They, they're not crinkly. They look exactly it is like they did when they came amazing. from the garden. Amazing. Because the different different methods of drying produce different results with your flower. And yeah. now does that preserve the color too? Yeah. It does. They, mm-hmm. They'll change a little bit. They'll get a little more muted in their colors. But overall, I mean, they're just stunning. I did not know you could reuse the silica gel. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know if you'll agree with me, Tracy, but I think there's a difference. You can use the gel, which are like the little, they're like little balls, mm-hmm. really. And there's sand, which I prefer because yes, it doesn't guess, leave any indentations in the flower. It looks mm-hmm. more um, it's a original. Little more gentle, I guess. Yeah, I guess gentler. I am using the sand. I guess. Are you? Yeah, not the not the gel. Yeah. It calls it itself a gel, but I guess it's really like a sand. Yeah. Tell me about the process of something as delicate as a dahlia or anything else that you would dry. Mm -hmm. Do you bury the entire flower? Do you put the flower bloom side up and just lay it on the top? How do you strategically do that so that it can keep its integrity? Sure. So what I do is I get a like a deep Tupperware, at least four inches, and it could be any size depending on how many flowers you're doing. And I put a small, maybe half inch layer of the silica down, and then I'll lay down my dahlias. I've done it with zinnias, celosia. Um, Queen Anne's lace dries beautifully. Ooh, that's cool. Yes, it's so pretty. Try it with any flower, snapdragons. Obviously, Uh, don't eat them after you've done that. No. no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then you just lightly sprinkle the sand on top so that you're not crushing the flowers because it gets very heavy. And then you just keep slowly sprinkling it until the entire flower is covered. Um, Then you cover your whole Tupperware either with a lid or you can use saran wrap for three to five days. Okay. And then you slowly pour off the sand into a bag or a bucket and then you have your flowers. They are super fragile when they come out, though. You definitely want to handle them with care, store them with care if you're not going to use them right away Mm because they will tear easily, I think. So right. then transferring them to an arrangement jewelry or mm-hmm. a wreath or something like yep. that, how do you do that and have it so delicate to where it stays intact? Very carefully. Yeah. <laughs> but you're using wire and stuff to kind of keep it in place Mm-mm. or no? No, no, no. We use um, a special kind of glue usually. Now, it depends on what you're going to use it for, too. You know, if I'm going to put it on a wreath, I'm probably going to use some floral glue and I'll use it on the strongest part of the flower, okay. not on a petal. But if you're going to use it to decorate, say, a piece of cardstock and make a card, which is really a cool, fun idea. I mean, we all, ugh, there's so many tidbits that I have, like of just pieces that didn't make it into the wreath. They mm-hmm. didn't make the cut, but you don't <laughs> want to throw them away. Yeah. And um, yeah, you can use them on gift wrapping and that kind of stuff. You can just use regular white glue. Elmer's glue. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. A friend of mine, Norm Mitleider, who is a certified aesthetic pruner and Japanese maple expert, I go along to some Japanese type gardens around Metro Atlanta with him and watch him do his work. And he has introduced me to so many different kinds of maple trees. But I think it's cool. And and Norm, I hope if you're listening, I'm not uh, jumping the gun here. But he always sends me a Christmas card and it has a pressed, dried Japanese maple leaf. And I thought, see, now's the time you need to start thinking about picking those up. Absolutely. And I guess would the process be the same with drying leaves and pressing leaves? It would be. Yeah, you want, you know, no moisture. You want to put it in between paper towels or wax paper. I use wax paper. You can get a flower press, but you can also do it it, by putting, you know, them inside of a book mm-hmm. putting a bunch of like you know encyclopedias does anyone have those anymore you know I wonder that <laughs> I seriously wonder that right and that's um, the best book that's the heaviest right. book like mm-hmm. dictionaries any hard cover books that you have just stack them weigh it down and check on them oh it's just beautiful Tracy, you talked about that as well. Give it three to five days. You know, try not to get impatient when you're drying anything. Is there anything, I mean, I guess I'm thinking herbs, but Mm -hmm. I don't know along the lines of flowers or whatever, that you would use the oven to dry anything or that's a little too much? Like if you put it on low, 150 or 200? Well, the thing with this silica product that I get on Amazon, I think I have a link on my Instagram page to it, is you can also do it in the microwave. You know, if you're impatient or you need something right away, the quality that comes out isn't quite the same, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it takes, you know, two or three minutes and then... You're gonna, and your flowers dry. If you're going to dry citrus, like oh. I've done that, I've dried lemons and oranges for um, holiday arrangements that you're going to use the oven for or a dehydrator if you're lucky enough to have one of those. But yeah, yeah it's like on really low heat for 
like at least four hours. It takes a long time, but yeah, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember talking to uh, one of the cafeteria managers over at Macedonia Elementary when I visited their mm-hmm. little vegetable garden. And a lot of the vegetables they grow there at the school, yeah. she uses in the kids' meals or at least gives them little samples to try eggplant or different things. Nice. And when she was talking about drying herbs to keep and use later, put the oven at 200, I believe she said, mm-hmm. let it get to 200. And then once you put them on a cookie sheet in the oven, turn it off. But don't open the oven door for hours, you know. So, yeah, it's a process to kind of take all that moisture out. Um, If you have any questions about bulbs, flowers, seeds, anything that these ladies may be doing with cut flower gardens, and you're thinking, oh, they're probably shutting down shop. It's getting ready to get cold. That is not true. 404-872-0750 if you want to talk to Tracy and Julie. And Tracy, go ahead and tell us. You just mentioned your Instagram page. Mm -hmm. What do folks search? Retreat Lane Flowers. Julie, what about you? Oh, I'm just Hello Daisy dash flower farm, or I believe it's underscore flower farm. Mm-hmm. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook, or you can visit the website, hellodaisyflowerfarm.com. When they go through the website, then y'all kind of get together behind the scenes and think, mm-hmm. okay, orders are coming in. Yes. We're going to help each other. Yeah. You yes. know, Tracy grows what you may not, and y'all compliment each other so well. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Yeah, Tracy, oh, well, we were talking about this on the drive-in. You know, I'm just thankful that she popped up and we were able to connect. And she's just, she's been a real asset. So I enjoy having her expertise. Yes, mm-hmm. we play to each other's strengths and weaknesses. Yep. We complement each other very well. Talking about dahlias, Tracy, um, what is being done right now this time of year other than drying them? Like, when do you actually start prepping for planting and transplanting or anything you may need to do to establish new ones? Well, soon. Right now, they're kind of at their peak. September, October mm-hmm. is when they, they just love this weather that we're having. So right now, every day, I'm going out and cutting buckets and buckets. Oh, wow. Um, drying so what fun. I can if we don't have arrangements or other things to do with them at the time. Pretty soon, usually about our the first week of November is when we get our first frost. Um, so once that happens and the plant dies down naturally, then I'll cut the base and then decide if I want to dig them up and divide them if I want to leave them in the ground for another year and just let them do their thing. Usually they get so big, especially after two or three years in the ground, you need to right. divide them or else the plant's not going to be healthy. That was my next question for you. You don't have to do it every year, no. but you'll just kind of get the feel for two to three years is probably good. There are some bulbs mm-hmm. that you could wait five or six, you know, yeah. if you're needing to thin out an iris bed or something like that. That doesn't have to be done as often. But can you just tell by looking at the health of the plant, like it's just not what it should be? Sometimes. And if the plant doesn't look healthy, you need to dig it up and see what's going on. There might be rot. There could be um, there could be a vole or something that's gotten into it and mm-hmm. is eating on the tubers. It might just not like the spot that it's in and it needs to move. And dahlias are so different, each variety. Sometimes you can start with one little tuber, which kind of looks like a finger. Mm-hmm. And that plant, it might just produce two tubers that year, or some of them will produce 25. Wow. You just never not know. Consistent. And, yeah. it's, and, it's, and it multiplies. So that if mm-hmm. you leave that one that produces 25 in the ground for two or three years, you, you're going to have this ginormous clump when wow. you dig it up. And it yeah. really is going to do so much better if you divide it. I definitely have more questions for you guys. So stick around with Julie Garrity and Tracy Gables talking seeds and tubers and bulbs and all kinds of fun things, thinking about flowers. Don't shut it down just because it's wintertime. There's so much going on so much color in the garden so we'll be right back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend it's wsb the update on the weekend weather brought to you by finley roofing green green and growing ashley frasca's top three things to do this weekend
get through this quickly and right back to Julie and Tracy. Number one, just a few days ago, talking about the weather being warm and then cold and then warm and then cold, but planting bulbs for daffodils, tulips, and hyacinth. It's not too late. Get those spring flowering bulbs in the ground. Remember, tulips like at least five hours of sun a day. Number two, if you've already brought your live Christmas tree home, enjoy it. Check the water level, though, every few days. Make sure the water is never lower than the base of the trunk. And number three, tons of holiday festivities around town this month, as you can imagine. Check out my list of events on the Green and Growing website on wsbradio.com slash green and growing. Talking about dried flowers with Julie Garrity and Tracy Gables, and you can find them on Instagram. Julie has Hello Daisy Flower Farm, and Tracy is Retreat Lane Flowers. And Tracy, being the Dahlia girl, has so many great pictures of dahlias. And so, Tracy, I'm going to share these two in just a moment when I can type and talk at the same time. Sure. It's amazing you sent pictures to me and shared the difference between what's dried in silica mm-hmm. versus what's air dried. There really is a difference in the texture and the color retention, too. Yes, mm-hmm. huge difference. They're both beautiful for different things. I'm thinking of things for the holidays. I mean, oh, you've got my, so my brain is you racing. You can use right them now. in clear. I did this last year. Ornaments. Get the clear bulbs from Michaels and, you know, put some dried flowers in there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Teacher gifts. Super beautiful. Yeah. I pressed some small flowers and made earrings out of them. There's a market for that stuff. Mm-hmm. But before we can get dried flowers, we actually have the real plant as it's alive in yes. all its glory. This is the time of year. Everyone always checks out the UGA Extension website because it has such good information on bulbs. Tulips. <laughs> Yo, so popular. Oh, there's yes. so many different varieties. There's parrots. There's fringe. There's, you know, late blooming, early blooming. See, because all I can think list. is. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, do, because, yeah. I mean, my simple brain just thinks what I have in my yard, and it was there before I moved in, daffodils and irises. Not that those are boring, not that there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with them, but that's really all I think. So share with right. me some of your list. Open up my mind. Allium. Those, those are, are so cool. Those almost are so like fun. a little ball, mm-hmm. right? Yes, and some of them are huge. They almost look like a giant lollipop. Daffodils, ranunculus, and anemones, which those are corms, but mm-hmm. now would be a good time in our, if, as long as you're in one of these lower zones. Mm-hmm. If you're up in the mountains, they might not do well during the winter. Back to tulips. If people are planting them for, um, you know, cut flowers, you can still intersperse them in the landscape, but you can plant so many tulips like in an egg crate uh, style, mm-hmm. like right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And you can have three, four times the flowers yeah. to cut. Get them really close. Maybe mm-hmm. Not touching, but almost touching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you know how deeply in spacing, like you mentioned the tulips, that's actually closer than I would have thought you could plant them. If we're growing them for cut flowers, then we're going to want to pack as many as we can mm-hmm. within a space. And sometimes we will dig a tiny bit deeper than, than the package may say, based on our research and talking with other flower farmers, because that will help create a longer stem for us. Oh. But for the general gardener's purpose, I would say follow the package directions. Mm-hmm. And another thing we're going to be doing this year with some of the tulips is you can actually start them early. You can oh. force them. Yes. Sort of like people do at Christmas time with paper whites and um, amaryllis. So we'll start them indoors a little faster oh. in crates and then bring them outside. So hopefully we'll be able to have tulips for Valentine's in Day. Abundant display. Yeah. Yes. And it is the first weekend of December. So continuing the conversation about holiday plants with the University of Georgia next on 95.5 WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. 
It's green and growing right here on 95.5 WSB, and it is the first Saturday of December. The holidays are quickly approaching, so naturally, my next guest makes another appearance on the show, and the topic we're going to be covering today makes a lot of sense. I bring back Bodie Panisi from the College of Agriculture and Horticulture Department uh, down at the Griffin campus, does a lot of work with ornamental plants, with native plants, and we talked a month or so ago about wildflowers. Bodie, welcome back. Hey there, Ashley. Glad to be here. I really appreciate you because the wildflower conversation we had was so popular. And before we get to holiday plants, let me ask you something for uh, one of my listeners. Melissa really, really was intrigued with our conversation about wildflowers and picked up on the fact you said, you know, if you're going to do your own mix, there's really four things you need to include. Uh, Yes. Uh, So the four things that we recommend uh, to bring in the most diverse group of pollinators and also have them uh, there for season long would be the uh, mint, asters, legumes, and in a grass. So that's a really healthy community of plants. So I think that you mentioned to me that um, the uh, people were wondering about the mint. <laughs> right. So the mountain mint, and there are quite a few species of mountain mints that we have in Georgia. The one I've worked with um, is the hairy mountain mint, also narrow leaf mountain mint, and southern mountain mint. Um, and my personal favorite is the narrow leaf mountain mint and close Second comes the southern mountain mint. Uh, Those two have a lot more of a contained habit and don't tend to escape so much like some of the hairy mountain mint and and others. So, uh, and also the southern mountain mint grows and tolerates quite a bit of shade. Well, and uh, what did you tell me about the southern mountain mint was recently recognized? It was the 2020 uh, Georgia Native Plant Society Plant of the Year. So, um, yay there. Yes. Well, perfect. Thank you for quelling our fears. We didn't want a mint to grow just absolutely crazy in this mix of all these other things we're trying to do. Holiday plants, though. I know you have a background in this, and this was a great topic you suggested we cover. This is the time of year we're going to be going to parties, bringing teacher gifts, that kind of thing. You think amaryllis, you think poinsettias, you think holiday cacti. But where do you want to start? I would start with a holiday cacti, and then we'll go from there. There are quite a few plants, as you mentioned. When we go to a place and a party, nothing brings in the cheer as a living plant. And there are so many different kinds to choose from. Um, I really like the holiday cacti, and um, they actually are quite complicated as far as how many different kinds they are. We go, we call, com, commonly call them holiday cacti, but um, they also go by Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, crab or claw cactus, and those last two are a little bit less uh, holiday-ish. <laughs> uh, but they are uh, interesting in that, that they are succulents. They come from the tropics, and uh, they're perennial in their native habitat. For us, of course, they are not unless they are in protected environments. So uh, growers um, provide the proper environment so that they are achieve the size that they need and the shape, and then they um, get to bloom, and then you purchase them, and they're in perfect color. Um, and if you have seen those plants without the blooms, you tend to kind of go like, ew, probably not. <laughs> but when you see the blooms, you're like, oh, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. This is so, so good. Well, so, as soon um, as uh, around Halloween, really, is uh, the garden Facebook pages that I'm a part of, people started posting pictures of these cacti in bloom as soon as the end of October, and they thought, this is my Christmas cactus. What is it doing blooming in October? But like you said, the different types, there is a Thanksgiving cactus that looks 
the leaves look a little bit different than the Christmas cactus. Yeah, quite a few of those have been hybridized extensively, so they might be interspecific. That means that there are two different species that have been bred. They may be intergeneric, which means two, a little bit more wider apart as far as how closely related they are. So lots of breeding has gone in to bring in the variety of shapes and color of the blooms. Um, and some of these um, even can be um, orchid cacti, which is another type of cacti. Ooh. Um, and uh, um, again, there I can tell you, or I can rattle out some scientific uh, names, Schlumbergera, Hetiora epiphyllum, um, just to give you a few. But uh, again, um, just by the name holiday cacti, you describe quite a few of those. And they come in a variety of colors, anything starting from white, salmon, orange, magenta, pink. Um, and any multicolor combinations uh, in between as Gosh, well. Gosh, so, so fun. Uh, so tell us about here in the southeast, though. It's probably pretty critical with them being succulents that they spend some time outdoors in the summer to, what, store up energy maybe or just be more prolific blooming towards the holidays? Right. What happens outside is you give them time to grow vegetatively, that is to have some mass, and that would be reserves that they'll store for the blooms. So when a plant gets to be a certain size and then the proper environmental conditions kick in, such a short day, which is most of those cacti is what they need in order to trigger flowering, uh, that's when they start blooming. And then what are we looking at as far as um, if we're repotting it or something like that? The soil that we need is probably pretty important given that, again, they're succulents. A well-drained mix is the uh, most critical thing for these. Many of them uh, are what we call epiphyte, which means that they don't even use soil in their natural habitat. They live on bark of trees or in branches. Uh, So their roots are not very extensive. Um, They're not like parasites. They are using their host as a substrate, a place to live. Uh, And also the other thing is unlike, unlike many cacti, these don't have So you can be a little bit more uh, close and personal with them. We love that. So those are great. Holiday cacti. Uh, Moving on to poinsettias. Of course, we're going to see those. And I can tell you, I was well into my 20s, Bodie, when I realized that uh, it's not just an annual, a one-time deal and toss it after Christmas. It is really rewarding if you can keep those alive year-round and how large they can become. Yes, absolutely. For uh, those of of you who have had the pleasure of um, traveling south, like around Mexico and um, other places uh, south of us, you may have seen these plants, even in Florida. South Florida has those outside as the full sun shrub that gets to be quite good sized plant. And so, yes, they can be grown outdoors, but you just have to have the right conditions. And for us in Georgia, that is not full sun outside. You need a a protected environment to keep them outdoors. What truth is there to the whole, maybe starting in September or something, they need so many dark hours, then they need so many light hours. I mean, that can kind of get daunting, dragging it in and out of a closet. Do you really have to do that to get the bracts to change color back to red or pink or white? Just like the holiday cacti, these plants, poinsettias, respond to what we call short uh, days. And that is once there is a certain period of darkness that exceeds a certain level, which is about um, 11 and a half or so, uh, those plants are are starting to uh, trigger uh, flowering. And so that's what you really need. Naturally, that occurs around September 25th for us. 
And so you don't have to go back and forth. One time this flowering is triggering, is triggered, the, the bloom will form. And it's so important if you are bringing one to someone as a gift or you have one around the, the mantle or the fireplace or whatever, taking that uh, that ugly foil wrapper off. We don't want to keep that on there, do we? <laughs> um, it, it, again, it's, um, it's there to prevent when you're watering for it to, you know, spoil your mantelpiece and your carpet and your hardwood flooring. Um, you, you just have to be able to water the plant well and capture that leachate that comes out. All right. Well, up next, I was thinking uh, Walter Reeves that hosted the Lawn and Garden Show prior to this always gave me an amaryllis for Christmas, and I absolutely love it. I now have four or five that I've kept alive and moved in and out and in and out. But talk to us about amaryllis as a wonderful holiday plant. Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, there is nothing quite like that absolutely marvelous-sized uh, flower that comes out of that pretty massive bulb. Um, and um, it, it is a plant that is easy to get into bloom in, inside the house. And people usually ask, well, what to do after, you know? What I recommend is that one, uh, once the blooms have faded, um, to remove the bloom stalk at the soil level, so you just prune that away. Um, sometimes the bulb may even send a second stalk in January uh, if the plant has been vigorous and it has been kept in a, a good enough light for it to store reserves. You allow the leaves to remain on the plant and then keep it in a sunny window until May, uh, and then you can plant outdoors for the summer. Uh, next September, dig up the bulb, cut off the foliage, and keep it dry until uh, November, and it, then you start again. It hurts to cut off the foliage in September because it's so pretty. That's the thing. You know, sometimes we have plants that kind of extend, especially if you have warmer uh, conditions that have, uh, just like we've had this this fall, uh, that are conducive to more vegetative growth. But once the plant reaches a size and it stores the reserves in the bulb, then it can it can be forced into dormancy. Bodie, if you'll stick around, I have one more question about a, a common holiday plant, but one also that we see in bouquets year-round as well. I am visiting with Bodie Panisi of the College of Agriculture and Horticulture, the department there at the University of Georgia. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. All right, we are back on Green and Growing, talking holiday plants with Bodie Panisi at the University of Georgia. One more, Bodie, that I wanted to ask you about. I had a listener weeks ago. I didn't get to them on the air, but they had questions about growing carnations. And, of course, we see long-stem carnations in bouquets. They're dyed. They're all kinds of colors. But can we grow those here? Not all that well in Georgia. Unfortunately, the typical cut flower carnation does not enjoy or grow well under our conditions. It likes much cooler temperatures at night, low humidity, uh, bright light, and moderate temperatures, which we don't have those conditions uh, in Georgia. Um, The plant is native to areas in the Mediterranean and Asia, most of the production of carnations and most of the plants that your listeners are enjoying uh, come from Colombia and other places 
Spain is producing some, Kenya is producing some as well. But yeah, we don't have as much production. Colorado used to be a big producer. California produces some. Commercially, we just cannot compete uh, with that kind of challenging environment. Uh, but we do, we can enjoy uh, Dianthus, which is what the scientific name of the genus of where all the carnations come from. I love those. Uh, we call them Sweet William. This is one that you definitely can uh, grow easily in Georgia from seed. And those you also see in uh, annual beds in the winter. So the color winter beds along with the pansies. You can see Sweet Williams. And um, again, they are actually quite tall. You can uh, easily uh, use them in cut flower arrangements. And the other ones are the perennial dianthus, which quite a bit of hybridization has uh, and selections have brought in some plants that uh, do well for us. Uh, so perennial dianthus. When, it, when it, folks yeah. are sad to see their pansies fade away come March or April in those beds where you would typically put pansies if you want something year round, dianthus is a great, you know, similar in size, just a bright, happy little flower. Absolutely. Well, Bodie, you have been so good on the show. Thank you for contributing in the year 2022. Of course, I look forward to having you back more next year as well. But um, in the meantime, how can folks keep up with what you're doing there at the University of Georgia Griffin campus? I am always eager to show people what we have. We have really nice uh, gardens, the UGA Research and Education Gardens on the Griffin campus where we have um, quite a few areas where we trial different plants from azaleas to native plants, the ones that I work with a lot. Uh, The gardens are quite nice to just stroll and look and learn um, different things about plants and enjoy some combinations and even get some ideas about what you can grow at home. Uh, So that's as far as coming to see me and the UGA Griffin Campus. Bodie, thank you so much for your time and you have a lovely holiday. You too, Ashley. Thank you. And when we come back for hour number two of the show, a friend of Bodie's, as a matter of fact, I'll be visiting with Mark Hoban, who is the golf course superintendent up at Rivermont Golf Club there in Johns Creek. A lot of stuff to learn from Mark. He's very well respected in the industry. When we return, I want you to stay tuned. You're listening to 95.5 WSB.